Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I do That's a bad hat, Andrew. It's a cool show. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from you, love. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Succession Season 1. Damask Leary, how are you doing this afternoon? Look pretty good. We're currently on your deck outside drinking beers in the sunshine. That sounds like I've got money (laughs) on your deck. Yeah, of your yacht. Um, (laughs) I feel like I'm in succession. Uh, No, I'm I'm good. You know, just chilling out, biding my time until I'm off to Perth. But yeah, we're housemates again. We are housemates again. You're a good housemate too, I must say. Low maintenance, which is nice. Thank you. Um, yeah, we're outside. We're recording outside. It's a lovely 30 degree, 30 degree Celsius day mm-hmm. uh, in Melbourne at the moment. It's blue skies. We thought, why the fuck would we do this yeah. inside? You've got to take advantage in Melbourne because, like, not to <laughs> quote the most beloved TV show of all time, uh, winter is coming. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the last scary of sunshine we're getting. Just going to soak it up. Yeah, it's autumn. Daylight savings end soon. It's going to be all darkness and coldness pretty soon. So, mm-hmm. we're going to do this outside. So, if you hear any birds, any wildlife, any... Cars driving by, any bogans from across the road, you'll know why. Australiana. <laughs> Love it. Uh, something I do want to talk about, actually, before we get into our spoiler-free review of Succession Season 1, we are no longer with Lip Media as a podcast network, because Lip Media no longer exists. R.I.P. So, we had a great time with Lip. We really appreciate them bringing us on board. It's We're sad to see it go, actually. We are. Um, so, thank you to Dan and the crew at Lip. Um, we are currently without a podcast network. We are going to stay with Acast. Um, as a hosting platform, which means there's still going to be ads. Mm-hmm. We're also looking at maybe some ways to try and monetize this in some different ways. We'll get back to you once we have some solid ideas mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, no longer with Mit, with Lip, which is sad. It is. Uh, yeah, otherwise, let's get straight to our spoiler-free review of Succession Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Succession is an American black comedy satirical drama television series that premiered on HBO on June 3rd, 2018. Created by Jesse Armstrong, best known as co-creator of British TV series Fresh Meat and Mitchell and Webb's Peep Show, the series centres on the Roy family, the dysfunctional owners of Waystar Royco, a global media and entertainment empire who are fighting for control of the company amid health concerns of the family's patriarch, Logan Roy. Succession stars Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook, Nicholas Braun, Matthew McFadden, Alan Ruck and Tiam Abbas. Season 1 consists of 
10 episodes, each coming in at around 56 minutes, and took us approximately 9 hours and 20 minutes to watch. Succession has received critical acclaim, particularly for its writing, acting, and production values, receiving numerous awards and nominations, including the British Academy Television Award for Best International Program, the Golden Globe Award for Best Television Series Drama, and the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama Series, while Cox received the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Television Series Drama, and Strong won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. As of recording, Succession has been renewed for a third season, though due to COVID-related delays, it is unclear when it will air. So before we get to our spoiler-free review, Damask, are you a member of a super wealthy family in control of a global corporation? Look, I've never wanted to mention it, um, but I'm a long-lost cousin of the Murdoch, so oh, if God. any of them want to Venmo me some money so I can, um, I don't know, pay rent, that'd be great. Uh, no, I come from a... I almost said, I'm, I'm glad you didn't say the Trumps, and I was like, wait, are the Murdochs any better? No, the answer, <laughs> the answer is no. Is no. <laughs> um, they're as bad as each other. Yeah. Uh, the IQs are just different, I think, in, sure. the, in those families. No, I come from a... I think poor, lower middle class to just straight up poor family. Sure. What about you, Brad? Yeah, similar. Lower <laughs> middle class to straight up poor at times family. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. That was a weird way to get around this. But uh, <laughs> I guess I wanted to ask, uh, are you familiar or have you, do you watch a lot of like corporate dramas or anything like that? Family no. dramas, for instance, comedies even on that level? I do watch comedies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think, like I don't watch Suits or anything like that about yeah. the corporate world? Are they lawyers? I don't fucking know. To me, it's the same thing. If you're yeah. wearing, if lots of people are wearing suits, suits in boardrooms, let's consider them the same yep. genre, I think. I don't because I've never really spent a lot of time in that world. And when I have everyone are either the sociopaths or just really comfortable with being dishonest. And I didn't love that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In terms of TV that is similar to this. Like we've had discussions throughout the week while we've been watching this, you know, similarities to things like Arrested Development mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which I'm much more inclined to watch something about any type of workplace mm-hmm. if it's a comedy. So Arrested Development's interesting though, because it is by and large a the family, family comedy yeah. that has a business element to yep. it. Yep. Which I think is probably something this show has in common. Mm-hmm. The other side to think about here would be how familiar are you with the work of Jesse Armstrong, Fresh Meat, and then Peep Show? I've watched a bit of Peep Show and heard great things, and I've always meant to watch all of it because mm-hmm. um, it's so recommended to me, but I've never actually committed any time to it. Sure. I've not watched Fresh Meat. Mm. Um, I was once upon a time developing a, a, a similar concept for a sitcom, mm-hmm. and then this show showed up. I was like, fuck you, show. How dare you <laughs> idea? That was a particularly original idea. But I did get around to watching Peep, all of Peep Show. I've seen all of Peep Show mm-hmm. and revisited it every now and again, at least certain episodes or just start a season. Mm. It's a great little like, oh, what are we going to watch tonight? A couple episodes of Peep Show would be funny. And it is. I love Peep Show. And before watching... Uh, succession, I was told this show is like Game of Thrones, but set in a modern corporate environment. Yeah. And to some degree, I think that's true. I think so. What I didn't realise was going to be is a straight up comedy mm. all the time. Very and funny. really enjoying it as a black comedy. And then once I found out that Jesse Armstrong was behind, it was like, this makes, it all makes sense. sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I understand this style of humour because this is exactly the cringy asshole 
people that are all through Peep Show, they're just not rich in that. Yeah. <laughs> it's going from one end of like the social spectrum, wealth spectrum to the other, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, with all that in mind, Damask, would you like to give us your spoiler-free review of Succession Season 1? Sure. So, Succession was a show that I had heard being touted as, you know, the best thing on TV right now and mm-hmm. a must-watch. However, I, I just couldn't bring myself to actually watch it. I mean, I was sure that the reviews were probably accurate. I just wasn't super in the mood to watch a bunch of rich people being cunts to one another <laughs> under the guise of being a black comedy. I just, I don't know, it wasn't vibing with me at the time that it came out. You know, then the world fell apart and I needed something to watch in lockdown. I feel like I'd watched every single thing else. So I was like, all right, let's try it. And oh my God, I watched season one quite a while ago, but it's something that I think about regularly. Mm. Um, It's a group of the most dysfunctional, emotionally repressed, manipulative monsters. And yet I soak up every moment of their horrendous lives that I can. The show is certainly comedic in a lot of ways, but what I didn't expect was how much of a tragedy it would be. You know, this show swings from being genuinely laugh out loud to genuinely terrifying. And for that, 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 those quick switches being made, I just thought this show is a fucking masterpiece. And what also contributes to it being so bewitching as you watch it is that they manage to make each character so dynamic. I mm-hmm. mean, you shouldn't want to watch these people. And yet each character has at least, you know, three different faces. They show the world, each one informing the other and making for a complexity that is fascinating and I think kind of rare Mm -hmm. to see. I mean, these characters, you know, when you grow up believing that absolute power is the only thing to respect, your worldview, you know, naturally becomes monstrous and isolating Each character hides behind an impenetrable wall, never wanting to reveal themselves to to those they claim to love. And those that do step outside of their walls are destroyed each time. Characters are callous and cold one moment, and then they go to epically being vulnerable and skittish the next. Someone who you view as calculating and possibly, you know, sociopathic, becomes sympathetic and the heart of a story without ever seeming disingenuous. The fact that they can flip it without you feeling ripped off as a viewer being like, well, now you're just manipulating me to feel for this character. I never feel manipulated Mm -hmm. by the show. Um, And they just make every single character intriguing. And I think it's such a feat to do that. And I'm not sure I've ever seen it done so well. Thankfully, also, the actors who are tasked with carrying all of this complexity are incredible. So season one follows this family during a time of shifting sands. Each change is so well thought out and calculated that it doesn't feel soap operatic or cheap, Mm -hmm. which I think could have been a possibility for this kind of family drama. Every move being made is infused with tension. However... This show takes advantage of being a tragedy and lets you know very clearly there are no good guys here. You have to be the worst of the worst to get ahead and being less of a bad guy than the person standing next to you can be a death sentence. On the rewatch, I didn't think I would be as affected, but I absolutely was. When the season comes to a close, it still has me sitting in silence 
bewildered and distraught at the story I've been told, but also really appreciative to have experienced such an incredible story. I adore this show and you really have to watch it. You just have to. That's an order. I my, my thoughts aren't quite as well developed as yours. I've got barely anything written down because I've just finished watching the finale, like in the last 15 minutes, yes. basically. <laughs> so I haven't quite as much written out, but I agree with so much of what you're saying. The one thing I wanted to discuss with you straight up mm. was coming to the end of this series and talking about how all these people are monsters, right? Mm. Are complete assholes. Now, we recently watched a show, an Australian show called Bump. Mm-hmm. In which one of our major complaints was that was a show about a bunch of assholes that we did not like watching and had, just didn't want to spend time with, basically. Mm-hmm. So, the question I have for you is, why is it so succe- successful in succession that we are around people who are probably even more monstrous, I think, especially mm. considering oh, the amount yes. of power these people have, mm-hmm. as opposed to people in a very different socioeconomic situation in Bump. Why is it enjoyable to watch these people? Why do you want to stick around and watch these people, even though they are monstrous, even though they are unlikable. I mean, so much of it is about that these monsters were made, right? They weren't born to be monsters. They were made. And then you see those family dynamics that have caused them to be monstrous Mm -hmm. and that every action they take is in reaction to a life of, you know, Serious abuse (laughs) and neglect. Um, And yes, also having access to privilege. Mm -hmm. And through all the moves that they make, there is still like a very real humanity to attach to, whether you think what they're doing is the worst thing they could possibly fucking do. Mm -hmm. I think both the writing performances are so good to, you still see the person. Which is important. I think, uh, yeah, you're hitting on a a lot of things I'm thinking about here. Number one, the writing is just 10 times, if not 100 times stronger than what Bump was doing. Yes. Equally, I think the performances are a lot stronger overall from Mm -hmm. start to finish. In terms of casting, the type of characters they are, the performances you're getting, what makes them dynamic and interesting and vulnerable underneath all the being assholes and powerful monsters, etc., etc. I also think what the show is better at doing than Bump was doing was... Bump tried to make me laugh by having the characters do quirky or jokey things. Whereas Mm. I think that Succession makes me laugh and is a straight up great comedy by making me laugh at these people who are saying, or their characters are ridiculous or the situations are absurd or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be in a way that is genuinely funny through character, not through forced writing and making homages to the kindergarten cop, etc. Right. Mm -hmm. It's in that, actual comic writing and understanding yes. how to do that it's that makes it enjoyable. Funny people or it's simply the act of observation of yep. observing people who are totally ignorant to the way that they are behaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, one thing I think the bump did not do particularly well was all the people were awful, but they were very much awful in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. They were all just very, very childish people who didn't communicate when they should have and should have been smarter than they were about the situation they were mm-hmm. in were just awful people. Whereas what I found fascinating about Succession is they have lots of awful traits in common, particularly they always treat, every single one of them treat people below their station like scum, <laughs> but within their own situation, corporate structure, family, domain, whatever, they're all very different 
in how awful they are or what mm-hmm. sort of awful they are, which makes them fascinating to watch. You're yes. not just seeing a facsimile of the same people being assholes. You're watching these very different types of manipulative or pathetic or whatever slimy or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mixed right. in with some surprising moments of like, I don't know why, but I actually feel for this yeah. character now this and time. Yeah, that level of difference means that every single scene and every kind of pairing or group dynamic yes. as it shifts is so different and complicated for very different reasons yeah. that going from scene to scene to scene is fascinating. Correct. Mm. Yeah, you can throw these different ingredients the nice in. nice combos that they can put yeah. together. And yeah. you always get like, there was a great uh, part, I think it's episode two that I love because it says so much about relationships without actually saying anything was when we had Shiv and Roman, brother and sister, mm-hmm. they were in this um, like uh, st- uh, what do you call it? lecture room in this hospital they were having a private discussion and it turns into like a brother-sister wrestling yeah. and then Shiv's fiance or not at that point, a partner walks in on them and sees them and just walks out. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot. I learned about the Shiv and the Roman dynamic in that moment and then I understood Tom's position in this family at the mm-hmm. same time. And that sort of insightful writing, and I do mean writing because there's no dialogue here and understanding how to play that scene and direction. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's sophisticated in a level that uh, this is what you need to do if you want me to watch a show and enjoy a show about assholes. Yes. If that makes sense. It has to be sophisticated in that way. So that's where Succession ultimately is just always enjoyable from episode one to episode 10 of season one. As the show goes on, um, it's just constantly funny, constantly tragic. Where it gets to by the end of the season is exhilarating. What this show also does that other shows wish it could do is just be so good at building tension mm-hmm. that by the end of or at some point in every episode, I'm biting my nails going, I don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Between just two characters, yeah. often a dialogue scene that's going to happen. But I look forward to it with anticipation and I look forward to relieving the tension that's been expertly built. Yes, And that is so hard to do well and so hard to do consistently. Mm-hmm. And the show, season one, does that pretty much all the way through? I'd say, like, because it's season one, there's a couple, there's a maybe an episode here or there that are a bit lower energy. I think it's trying to figure out its visual style a little bit. One thing I noted in early episodes was it was doing this weird like crash zoom thing, like it would zoom in quickly on a character during a shaky cam shot and back out, almost like it was documentary style, but not committing to it. It was one another reason I sort of compared it to Arrest Development. Mm. And then either I got used to it or they stopped using it. There was a couple in the final episode. It was like. I forgot they did that. Mm. And it was like, I think they grew out of that. They realized they didn't need to. But I think there's episode seven or eight had some fantastically dynamic cinematography as well. Long tracking shots, great tableaus and use of camera to communicate things in a visual language. And it got better and more mature at that. I'm looking forward to seeing if season two can build on that as well. Um, As a first season, though, this is an incredibly good show. It really is. And... Um, I'm just going to mirror everything you said about, I think you said it perfectly about why the show works so well. I can't wait to watch season two. I'm looking Mm. forward to it and getting more of it. And I think this is a show that everybody should watch. If you enjoy dark black comedy, if you enjoy tense family dramas, if you enjoy great, uh, sharp writing, fantastic performances, you're going to have a ball. There's no way around it. Uh, hopefully that did it justice again. Sorry. I didn't really get a lot of time to prepare this. Yeah, beautifully said. Cool. Final score. How would you rate this season out of five stars? Oh, it's Mass? a five star first season. Interesting. Okay, I totally see it. I'm gonna give it. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a low. You gave me devil's advocate nope. eyes. Yeah. All right. Here we go. <laughs> devil's advocate eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a low four point five. A low 
4.5. What the fuck? So, again, on our scale, we say that four is somewhere around an excellent and five is a masterful. Masterful, yeah. So, it's somewhere between those two. I think... The only reason I don't think it's quite definitely a 4.5, again, I'm comparing it to other shows I've I'm shaking said a 4.5. my head. But yeah, go on. I'm comparing, I, I, okay, both seasons of Barry, for instance, I gave a 4.5. Mm-hmm. And I agree, I think it's a little bit lower than those at this point. I really do. <laughs> okay. Right. But it's better than most things I've given a four, about everything I've given a four. So it's like, it's just like there. You're fucking harsh, man. I am harsh. Remember, we gave Ted Lasso a 4.5. Ted Lasso might be the best television I've seen in years, and I no, I, I agree with that. I think Ted Lasso is four point five, and no, this is five. Ted, see, Ted Lasso is probably a five, <laughs> but we gave it a four point five because we thought somehow the show had somewhere else to go. And we wanted to leave room for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of doing the same thing with Succession. I see what you're saying. I feel like the little, the very tiny growing pains here and there and just like figuring out style and stuff like that. A couple of episodes that weren't as engaging as the rest of them, mm. even though it builds triumphantly into its finale, I think could be remedied once you get to a season two when you, you're you just more confident at what you're doing. And I need to leave runway for that thing as well. Okay. So I'm giving you a 4.5. <laughs> you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask 
everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also love, love, love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family and whoever else that you think might also enjoy listening. Next episode, we'll be back with our review of Succession Season 2. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Succession Season 2, if you have any thoughts on Succession Season 1, don't have a lisp if you're saying this, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include in a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Succession Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Succession. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Succession up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Uh, I've got an opening question for you. Yeah. Is it that why are your seats so creaky yeah, on this no, deck? No, no. <laughs> Apologies about that. This is what you get when you're on a boat, right? That's you, hear, it. you hear the yeah. creaking of the wood so you underneath. You hear the waves crashing against <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Um, <gasps> do you mm. like or care about any of these characters? Yes. Okay. Who? Well, I care about them. Who do you care about? I care about. And explain in, how, in what way do you care? I care about Kendall. Because I'm really... he's That's where the tragedy is, right? Yeah, I really worry about such a person who is naturally sensitive, mm-hmm. um, feeling as though they have to... He's just like a a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Sure. And he's trying so desperately. Um, so I care about him. Shakespearean, it's like yes. father, And he's an absolute douchebag, but I do care. I also... I, th- I almost care about all of them. I care about... Um, Shiv. See, Shiv is the one I have the hardest time caring about. I find her to be so calculating and I mean, I could just be sexually attracted to her. I'm not sure. I mean, I, but- <laughs> who, who isn't? Yeah. <laughs> I care about her. <laughs> what my penis cares about and what my heart cares about are different things. Not for me. Um, <laughs> it's exactly the same. Um, I care about her because she seems so... I mean, they all do. But so kind of lost and also the person who seems the most unaware of her own how am I how do I say this? It's so complicated. Everything um, you're saying I disagree with about Shiv. Okay. I think she's hyper aware of everything that she's doing all the time. She's not always great at doing it. Sometimes mm. she's sometimes she gets caught in a lie and, and, and doesn't isn't great at getting her way out of it. But most of the time she is extremely good at manipulating the people, and especially the men in her lives, she's very good at it. I think she's aware of that. She, she I get a, I'm projecting because I'm in love with her. But I think that, yeah, she's aware of the manipulations that she's doing. I don't think she's aware of the emotional toll it is taking on, on her. And why does that make you, on her... Because yeah. I would say it's having more of an emotional toll on the people of in her life. Of course it is, but it's, you know, <laughs> look, one day we're going to get married and then you're going to feel really awkward for saying what you said on the podcast. So Am I? Yeah. How? Because we're going to get married. You and I. No, me and Shiv. <laughs> oh, right. 
like, what? <laughs> you, you and Sarah Snooker getting married or Shiv are getting married. Or Shiv. Either. Okay. I'll take either. That's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel she's an asshole, but I still feel bad for her because she's so groomed and such a no. daddy's girl. She, she is the most like her dad. She's the most that's actually genuinely like Logan. Yeah, no, I agree. As in the actual person in control most of the time. And knows that. And knows how to play that moment. And knows when she's got to give yeah, something and, and knows when to take such. things. Oh, they were... Okay, they, they're all tragic in the sense that they're... How could they be anything except what they are? Yeah. Sure. But I don't... Which caused me to care for her. See, and for all of them. For me, Roman is the one that oh, I think yeah, I care that's... the most about. Because I think he is the most pathetic of all of them. <laughs> the poor guy. I mean... Oh, no, I think Kendall's more pathetic. Mm, the thing is that Kendall <laughs> Kendall tries and like then, yeah, he's he's trying to be bigger than he is. Mm-hmm. He thinks he has to become his dad to be successful. He has to play the tough guy, whatever. Roman doesn't have a fucking clue where to start. Yeah. Roman is just all humour as a armor. Drift, yeah. That is, he is a drift. Mm-hmm. He is. He'll he'll side with his brother when it seems like the right thing to do. The moment he's in a corner, he goes back to his dad. He shifts back and forth, and he's just hoping that someone will be okay. He'll either be proud of him, and or when things go wrong, they won't hit him. Like that's where he's at. And the rest of the time, he's just making jokes to try and get by. Mm-hmm. He's got that real like little brother complex as well, where mm-hmm. he feels inferior in some way at all times partly because that's just the dynamic when they're growing up to some mm. degree in things that he cares about that the other people don't even remember because it didn't mean a sh- thing to them yeah. as they're growing up it's like he is a broken broken human being and there's a line oh, that Kendall says in the doubt. end that mm. like a fast food restaurant wouldn't hire you like how mm. the fuck are you a, a, C- a COO of this corporation or whatever like oh man he is a lost puppy mm. yeah. I also I really care, which is shocking because at the beginning, I think it's for most characters actually, but at the beginning I was like, you're a fucking piece of shit and I'm, there's no way that I will ever like take you seriously or empathise with anything that's going on this in your life. Tom. It is Tom. <laughs> and then like the character is so funny, so that really helps. It does. While he's being in, in a fucking monster. the slimiest ways. Oh, yeah, but it's just funny to watch someone who is so disgusting. Yeah. Um. And then towards the end of the season, I just really feel for him because for, for all of his faults, mm. yeah, you can't deny the love and desperation he feels for Shiv. That's the thing that was surprising to me because I, like in the first episode when he, the way he talks to Greg, like he's low on the pecking order. <laughs> yeah. So he finds the next person down mm-hmm. to shit on them the way that everyone above him shits on him. Yeah. And you just, you can't like the guy for it. Yeah. But you also can't deny the guy really loves Shiv mm-hmm. and is devoted to her and is being played by her mm-hmm. every step of the way, manipulated by her. And like, I don't know why, but when he was feeling himself at the end, when he re- got told, no- I think it's Noah the or whatever the guy's name is. Nate. That- Nate. Sorry. Mm. Thank you. When he gets Nate to leave. Mm. And he feels himself a little bit on the dance floor. I was like, oh, good for you, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I do way. really enjoy that scene when he's making him pour the wine back into the bottle. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I just think it's so tragic to me that because of the dynamic of that family, mm-hmm. that, and it makes so much sense because on the surface, you're like, why the fuck would Shiv ever be with someone like Tom? Sure. Like at the beginning, it just like, 
this guy's a fucking loser and clearly obviously doesn't really fit in. Mm-hmm. But then you think about like if you grew up in a family and your dad was Logan Roy or everything is a game and if you don't win, you're a fucking loser and no one cares about you. You're so, a nobody, I think yes. he tells Kendall. So, of course, you would want a marriage in which you will always win. Mm-hmm. There is no way that Tom will ever be able to manipulate her ever. It's such a sad, sad thing. The amount of time she gaslights him and like tells yes. him that she doesn't remember that or that didn't happen or we had that discussion or I've introduced you to... Yeah. I've, I've mentioned Nate. that before. Yeah. Oh, before. my God. Yeah. yeah. Poor Tom. And then to mention on your wedding night that you actually don't think you can be monogamous is so fucked up. It's a great show. (laughs) But this is is the point of it. It's like, it's so easy. And we really haven't actually. We've held back from talking about this much at all. Mm -hmm. You've sort of watched me or rewatched the last few episodes with me as I've watched them for the first time. And you've heard me deeply sighing just (laughs) in preparation of what's to come. Yeah. It, it, it's it's just so easy to just sink your teeth into and just talk about, what about this? What about mm-hmm. that? Uh, what do you want to talk about, Damask? Oh. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should start with talking about Kendall. Kendall's the obvious place to start. You would suggest he's the main character. Yes. At least of this season. I think something that was such a satisfying surprise is we meet him mm-hmm. and you think, oh, this guy's going to be like, Donald Trump Jr. That's and he's the gonna, initial thought. Why I looked at him was like, douchebag. he looks like yep. Donald Trump Jr. He's going to be the douchebag that you want to see fail. Mm. And you don't care that he's like, you know, he's trying to impress his dad and mm. he fails all the time. And that's going to be like awesome to watch. But what is revealed to us is this person has been in a pressure cooker since they were a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it has taken a severe emotional and mental toll on, on them. They have fallen from grace, um, have addiction issues. and Broken marriage. Broken marriage, all of these things um, with no resources around them, obviously other than a shit ton of money. But like, <laughs> just that. Just Only like that. in terms of emotional resources, mm. really, like he tries to, to rely on. He's got... Rather, but she's pulling away now. She's like, he calls her. She's too busy with the kids and her own life. He doesn't really have anyone. And so he's so desperately trying to grasp for this thing that he thinks will complete him or make him happy or make his life make sense. Mm. And it's the every step he takes is so tragic and always incorrect. Mm-hmm. It's always. heartbreaking to watch. Constantly. And it's it's really interesting watching this guy who you kind of on some level want to succeed, kind of on one level don't, just continue to make mistakes, mm. which makes it somehow, you know, you sympathise with that and also just like, come on, guy, just, just be smart for a second. Um, the way he even like... I think his relationship with this with Stewie is a really interesting one as mm. well because he sees him as a friend and Stewie will straight up tell him it's like you can't you can't trust me trust anyone yeah but he's as you said he's just looking for any sort of connection mm-hmm. anybody he can trust and to be on his side but he's just not seen as somebody yeah. who is capable or powerful enough to do what he's setting out to do I mean it's just that constant needing of external reassurance mm. is his, ultimately his downfall he has nothing within himself 
to like boy himself, do what he needs to do. He doesn't have the capacity to do it. He doesn't have the tools to do it. Mm. And so constantly reaching out to other people or things that will make him feel better about his life or his choices. And it's always the wrong thing to be doing. The dude needs some serious fucking therapy anyway. So let's get to the ending of the season then, right? The... Oh, my God. The out of nowhere, it's like he keeps looking for a connection to get some cocaine. Mm-hmm. And you're, and obviously, he's been struggling with his addiction. He's been sober for a lot of the show. He's a recovering addict. He starts to fall down that rabbit hole again and then mm-hmm. spirals at the wedding looking for something and ends up in this... You did, I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew something bad was coming. Yes. And then there's this car accident with this guy who's completely fucked on ketamine and he drowns and the car goes under and Kendall sneaks his way back to the wedding and tries to cover it all up, goes back to dancing on the dance floor with his ex or to-be ex-wife and kids. I thought this is the fucking origin story of a psychopath, of a serial killer. What the fuck is happening? This guy is... Like, I actually love the way that was shot, though. He's, like, doing his dancing. He's just trying to forget. And then just the camera will just, like, cut to close up on him, remembering what the fuck he's just walked away yeah. from tonight. Like I think the it was, horror like... horror internal. Yeah, which is so felt. So, like, the moments mm. immediately after the accident, you, I think, also as an audience member, are in shock along with Kendall. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? Do you know what the weird thing was, actually, for me? In a way, You're getting off on it, you fucking sociopath. Yeah, no, well, not no. that. It was because we didn't know the character who died particularly well. Mm-hmm. And because I knew the guy had so much money, it wasn't going to matter. Mm-hmm. I didn't always feel the tension of it. I felt the guilt of it. I thought from the character's point of view, like, this is a horrible thing. But it was what wasn't happening was my mind going, how's he going to get out of this? It's like, no, that's, that's, I didn't think that either. Yeah. The, the tension was the amount of guilt yes. and the havoc that will well, wreak on him as a person. Even that is interesting I was though. like <gasps> because so oh, many man. characters everybody at some stage does something to prove they just do not care about people who are below their station. Whether it's Tom being a groomzilla about, you know, I have to carry my fucking luggage on the day before my nuptials or whatever. Mm. Whatever it is. Everyone has those moments. Kendall's probably the one character who didn't really have mm-hmm. that. He thought he was a man of the people to some degree. He has that meeting with that uh, that art app mm. person or whatever and he tries to play it cool and then comes clean and you think maybe he's a bit smarter, a bit more in tune. But then I was like, but this guy's going to walk away from this guy being dead and try and pretend it didn't happen. He's not really that different. Um, no, yeah. No, I think I never got the sense that Kendall would walk away from that. He could call somebody. Devastated. It was an accident. Call the fucking police. Call an ambulance. Call someone. He didn't. He tried to sneak home. Yeah, of course. Because he was in shock. Like, okay. it was an insane situation. Yeah, he was in shock. Yeah. He see, this is the privilege working though. No, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with mm. you. He walks home, then he cleans himself up and makes sure he is seen at the party yeah. to cover his tracks. Yeah, he's covering up. But his what girls. I really enjoyed was oh, he's, he's complicit in the what happened. Yeah, yeah, he covered his tracks, and then. But what I really enjoyed was when he was dancing with his family, and yet that shot yeah. of like. You know, pretending like that thing that I just did absolutely did not happen, yeah. and then the the it memory, like when it hit, the memory hits you, and you're like, "Fuck, this is probably going to be popping up quite a lot for me." Oh no! Um, and then perfect, like the next morning, kind of soberly walking to the breakfast buffet, like st- 
very shaken, but like, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. And that last scene with Logan is where he, what's the name of the actor? Something Strong? Uh, Jeremy Strong or something? Yeah, Jeremy Strong I think is right. His ability to look like a little boy Mm -hmm. in moments of crisis is incredible. When that security guard or head of security, whatever, first walks over and he's holding his plate, I was like, he looks 12. (laughs) And then when he's actually in the meeting with Logan and he's stuttering and like almost kind of not hearing what Logan is, his dad is saying to him and just trying to be like, you know, trying to say the things that I'm sure he was telling himself all night, being like, oh, like, I, you know, I don't know what happened. Like, what are you talking? Like, just all the excuses that you know. I'm going to confidently say that if anyone questions me about anything. Mm-hmm. And he's just stuttering and is beside himself. And then the devastation when he starts crying. Oh, my I That's that entire scene. And Logan's such a fucking cunt. It's, it's just it's He's playing the game. Yeah, it's it's so good. What 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 it's is so good? Bringing it back to what you were saying, right? Mm. Everything Logan is doing, sorry, no, everything that Kendall is doing is about trying to prove himself and find that validation and mm-hmm. make a connection and just have anybody in his life. Yeah. And ultimately, what happens? He gets himself in such a shitty situation. His dad, Papa Bear, needs to come save you. Papa Bear mm. offers. You know, Mm -hmm. I will look after you. Mm -hmm. Just come back to me. Just forget about the hostile takeover. I will look after you. And he has to go back to his dad. The tragedy of that, Mm -hmm. that he, Logan, once again wins. Because Logan had lost. He was was lost. He was fucked. Yeah. He was fucked. But you know, in this show, Kendall can't win. Certainly not that easily. No. So you know something's coming and you see Kendall making all these decisions and you're like... Just stop moving, Kendall. Please just stop moving and go to bed and then nothing wrong can happen. But, of course, he he can't help himself. He needs to push it and push it and push it. And then that happens and uh, I feel so sad. I feel so sad. And the weird thing is I feel sad for Kendall. Don't give much thought to the kid who died. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's but that's because that's the character you know in the show. Yes, of course. But, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, It is interesting, though. Jeremy Strong, have you seen him in anything before? I don't think so. Neither do I. I but feel like he's probably like a you know a Broadway actor or something like that. A poss- theater poss- guy, maybe. Possibly. I don't know. Um, he uh, quite transformative. Like one early on, I keep seeing the Don Junior sort of look to him, mm. and then he can be quite disheveled and pathetic, and then he can sort of be quite handsome. It's like he actually has a way of physically transforming himself, like mm. you said, into like looking like a twelve-year-old, and then sometimes actually being intimidating, convincing for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Oh, I think that's really amazing that the character and the performance can be so dynamic and still feel consistent mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. And I came away really a fan of, of the actor because I'd ne- never heard of him before this. Uh, what other characters do you want to talk about? So I think the next character we absolutely have to talk about um, is Frank. Oh, okay. No, I'm not, just joking. Not who was on my list. Sure. No, so what, Frank. Who do you want to talk about next? Um, I, I kind of just wanted to, we've touched on Logan a little bit already. Mm. I think there's not a lot to say about Logan. He's not a character that we spend a huge amount of like time within their personal private lives. Those quiet moments, yeah. Yeah, especially because the plot a lot of it revolves around just him, 
you know, he was going to change the plan on Kendall taking over, you know, taking over the company. Then he gets sick and then he's coming back and he's more of a force than anything mm-hmm. else. With the exception being, um, there's that shot at the end of an episode. I think uh, it's the end of the episode where they're going and staying um, in the desert in, mm-hmm. at Connor's place. Yeah. And he had that big confrontation with the whole family, basically, especially Kendall, where he calls him a nobody. Kendall says something on the lines of, oh, you're going to tell us about scary uncle such and mm-hmm. such or scary grandpa such and such. Mm. Um, uncle something, yeah. Uncle something, right? And I, I can't remember because the character's not brought up too many times. But the final shot is of Logan, or one of the final shots is of Logan getting out of the bath and all these scars on his mm. back. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was one of the more revealing things about him as a character, this violent mm-hmm. backstory that we really don't know anything about. Yeah. But it seems like he had a pretty, pretty rough upbringing and how that might inform him mm. as a person he is today. Yeah, I love the the framing of him as really resenting the privilege that he has afforded his own children. Mm, I've ruined you all. Yeah. The, like, he obviously had a very tough upbringing, which instilled in him this kind of desperate animalistic need to get out to mm-hmm. never have anyone be more powerful than he he is and if he believes that that upbringing is what fuels that desire and his kids have not had that then i think it's really that tough yeah it's hard mm. for him to believe that they have what it takes which makes a whole lot of sense and i think we don't get a lot of it but what we, what we do get is so informative mm-hmm. Um, and really important, I think, to understand him beyond just being the big bad of the season or whatever. I think it is. It's like whatever you think of Logan Roy, his success comes from being good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he And whether he's still doing a good job of that, what he's doing with the company going forward. Obviously, I think Kendall's going to, you know, he's right in saying that he's probably not looking into the future and trying to make mm-hmm. the company future-proof. But also the idea that these kids just inherit this and by nature of, and, like, by nature of what Logan has given them, every one of them, Connor included, like, they're all just a part of the company one way or the other. And mm-hmm. with that comes influence and money and they can do whatever they want and they don't have to earn it in any way, does inform who these people are. Yes. Um, it's funny talking to people I know who work for businesses who have been inherited by the younger generation who are terrible at running companies mm-hmm. and don't realise it but think they're somehow incredibly good business owners because by nature they just inherited a bunch of fucking money (laughs) is a reality. Even on a much smaller level than what the Roys are doing, that is true. People just... Why doesn't everyone just start their own business? Classism's a real thing, guys. Who would have thought? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, no, he's, he's a fascinating character. I hope we get a little bit more of that backstory or I hope we get a little bit more. I get the feeling almost that at one stage, you know, sometimes there are shows that come about and, um, there's an intention that a character will be in it for a little while. Actually, Arrested Development style. Apparently, Jeffrey Tambor's character of George Senior wasn't meant to be in the show past the pilot. Mm. He was meant to disappear to the to prison and never seen again. It was all about what the siblings were d- doing underneath him. And then he was so... They liked him so much, they kept their character around. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like to some degree they almost did that with the character of Logan. It's like it could have just been about all the siblings fighting over it, but you Brian Cox is that too good. ever-present force, though. Yeah. That motivation and that level of threat in every scene that is the fire underneath everyone's ass. 
so I I hope I would like to see a little bit more than him just being a force. I'd like to see him mm-hmm. be a bit more of a character going yeah, forward. That's fair. Um, that's not a criticism. Just something I would like to see more of. Yeah. Uh, what so about, piqued your interest in him? Definitely. Yeah. Is there anything? I feel like I've said a lot about Roman in terms of my general thoughts of him. He's sort of that kicked puppy sort of trying to figure his way out but mm. just doesn't have the resources. He's just taking whatever crumbs he can get and trying to make someone notice him yeah. and that's about it. Just his like absolute inability to connect or understand how relationships are meant to function. Like he just – it's like he can see it but doesn't understand it at all. Like, so often we hear, you know, the women in his life being like, well, we never have sex or, like, the way that you're functioning in this right now isn't actually how you keep people around. Like, he really – like you said, he is, like, that kicked puppy and I find him – he's a piece of shit but quite likable, actually, and yet he just doesn't seem to be able to build any kind of – anything real except for, I think, perhaps with – Shiv and Kendall a little bit as well, but I, I think by nature of just them being siblings and growing up together, and having a shared experience, yes. they've got something there, yeah. right? There's some familiarity and affection that comes with that, I guess, and so he has a relationship thereby, almost de facto, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously the third wheel if those three are in a situation, whatever it might be, except to be the comic relief. He's the funny guy there. Mm-hmm. That was his personality, I guess. I think Kendall's the third wheel. Kendall's the th- Ke- well. Kendall, no, I no, I disagree. Kendall is not good at what he does, but he has ambition and he has ideas. Roman doesn't. I just think in terms of the personal relationships, I think oh, Shiv and Roman have Roman. a closer relationship. Yes, and Kendall's the, the kind of dorky you, one. You might be right, but it's almost like, I think it's in the sense, it almost is in the way that, if we've been watching The Crown, right, that... Mm the oldest sibling is the third wheel because they're being groomed to be the next yes. ones to come through and the others uh, can play, <laughs> uh, just get to do their own yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I think of, yeah, that's the Queen's children in yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth's children in the, in the crown. It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's an outsider because he doesn't get to play with... The responsibilities on his exactly. shoulders. Exactly. Yeah. But in terms of, like, ambition and ability... I yeah, Roman's Rome the black sheep. The black sheep yeah. there. And to the point where he just doesn't have any of his own ideas. A scene and Connor was, just doesn't exist. Connor doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, he was. he's the oldest and yet is like just removed himself from the equation. Well, he, and he also has a different mum. True, yes. Yeah. But all that being said, the thing with Roman as well, yeah, he doesn't have his own ideas. One of the most revealing scenes to me, I think, actually in the finale was the scene where their mother, Carolyn, who we only get introduced to mm. in episode nine, says, you should marry her. And then a scene later, Roman is saying, I should marry you. We should get married. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't, he just has nothing of his own. He's just always just going along. Just like, yeah. he's like, you know, ping pong. It's like, bang, bang, bang. I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere. Like, yeah. he just doesn't seem to have Doesn't a get taken center. seriously by anyone. He gets given the COO role and gets like, mm. you can be in charge of this launch. And he tries to be impressive and fucks that up. Yeah. When he wants to start to talk to Sandy, the guy that's essentially the sitwells of this situation, the other company that wants to buy out the Roy's, mm. he can't get Stewie to take him seriously and get him in that room properly. They just treat him like he's nobody. Mm-hmm. Like, he just cannot make any mm-hmm. sort of leeway there. Um, or any what sort I- of, like... Yes. Really enjoyed about the wedding episode 
is that we see Caroline, the mum, you know, walking around the room and engaging with people. And you go, oh, that's where Roman gets it. Yes. <laughs> like that sense of humour of just like, I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want to say and make everyone around me really uncomfortable mm. and I'm going to have a great time doing it, which I think was helpful to me. Because I'm like, how did like Roman get to be this way? And it's like, oh, he kind of gets it from his mum a little bit. Yeah. So going back to the, the relationships bit, the, the relationship mm. he has with women in this, mm. I I w- had a hard time tracking a lot about Roman actually. Early days, I thought he was gay or at least bisexual. So did I, yeah. And then he you have those moments with his trainer and stuff. I'm like, where is this going? Yes, yeah. Mm. I thought that was really leading in a particular direction there. And then I'm confused because there are two different relationships he has where they talk about having sex like once a year. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm not sure of with Roman and what they're building towards something here and feel free to just say spoilers. We'll get to that later if it's coming up. Mm-hmm. Is there something about his sexuality or lack of sexuality or asexuality that we should know about? Or is it just, it's interesting because he, because he always talks a big game. He talks about getting blowjobs and this sort of thing all the time, but it seems like in reality, he's not really doing anything. There is a sexual nature to his storyline in the next season. Okay, cool. But I'm, Oh, that's all I'll say. That's good. That's yeah. fine. It's further explored. Cool. Yeah. But it's, it's, I'm not misreading that. There's an element to his character there that we're, that they're, they're alluding to at least at this point. It's, it, I, it's sexuality is complicated. Cool. Excellent. In, oh, I'm looking unexpe- to that. in unexpected ways. Because I had all these theories as well as to what it would sure, mean. Sure, sure, sure. And it wasn't what I was expecting. And what we got, I actually really fucking loved. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, cheers to yeah. that. That sounds really good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'll you leave should. it there then. We'll yeah. move on. Yeah. Uh, who else did you want to talk about? We've talked about Tom a lot already, I feel like. Mm. Talked about Greg. 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 Let's we talk about, about Greg. How do you feel about cousin Greg? Oh, that sneaky little bitch. <laughs> I I think Greg, one, he's a great person to like be walking in the room and help us learn about all these people. Yeah. Firstly, I think that's smart to do that. What I really enjoy is he is that little guy just peeping around every fucking corner. He just always seems to be there. To see the things that the bigger players just can't see in terms of like making the plot go where it needs to go. As in they don't notice him so mm-hmm. he can just sort of He'd get by. Be our, be our witness, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. But what I love is that he, like all the characters, he isn't just one thing. He's not like, you know, the innocent, naive simpleton who comes to town and is slowly corrupted. He's always kind of like, you know, we see in that first episode, he's strategizing with his mum. Yeah. You know, and that like that is his objective is to, while his grandpa says, you know, this family is like a a thing of vipers, a nest of vipers. A nest of vipers. Um. One of my I mean, lines, actually, Greg is one as well. He just has such little power that he's just slowly biding his time, yeah. collecting information, sharing it when he needs to. I think it's a really clever move for the writers to mm-hmm. ha- have this character. Like, what insane arc are we going to be going yeah, on? Yeah, where could Greg end yeah, up? In the Greg future. could end up as the head of this company somehow, <laughs> like at the end of it, and that would be an amazing arc for him. He, It is... Yeah, he's this outsider. He doesn't quite understand how the game is played yet. He's never eaten all these ridiculous foods that Tom is talking about that rich people eat. Um, But he does have a a good self-preservation instinct Mm -hmm. and a little bit of strategy. Yeah. Um, Even if sometimes it's not always the best move, though, because I love that in the last episode as well. It starts with Greg finding Tom when he's on his run the the day of the wedding. That's one of my, bizarrely, one of my favourite scenes. 
It's when they, Tom they is just, just have a great they, dynamic. Everything Very with them is amazing. Very unique dynamic yeah. as well. When Tom is just telling him to shut up and just starts <laughs> yeah. pushing him and punching him. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I was totally on Tom's side for that. Yeah. I was like, just shut up, Greg. Yeah, be Stop quiet. talking. Mm. But then also at the very end, once he uh, kicks Nat- Nate, is it Nate mm-hmm. out of the wedding, and then he just looks over at Greg and gives him like, a little nod. Well yeah, done, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating character. Again, I because he, he's also the character that I think pretty much every major Logan, sorry, every major Roy has been every episode except Greg. There's a mm. couple where he hasn't sort of featured, so he's still that secondary tier level, mm-hmm. but. You can see him building in importance. What about Connor? Do you have any thoughts about Connor? Oh, he, I think he is the almost the scariest of them all. He he actually scares the shit out of me. Really? Yes. I think he would kill people. I mm. mean, Kendall did kill someone, um, but I think he would actively try to murder people. I can see him like... Make a good president then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah, he is that terrifying, blind, like no self-awareness, um, mm. singular focus on how, on his own worldview, um, delusional mm-hmm. with, blind, like, blind, but with absolute power. And that is really scary to me. And I really worry for that woman who was in a relationship with him. Willa. Mm-hmm. She is a great character in terms mm-hmm. of like what it reveals about Connor, the delusion that you're talking about, just the way he tries to use his money to get this woman to love him yeah. by providing her with things that she wants. She's trying to balance his emotions and his needs with her being okay. He, yeah. he thinks he's some sort of saviour, like whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It is a fascinating dynamic. Love that actress as well. It, I finally realised in like episode three or four that she is from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think the character's name is Astor. Uh, mm-hmm. The the sister-in-law. The sister-in-law yeah. to Midge who is like trying to get really into like the Jewish like tradition stuff. Yeah. She's fucking hilarious in that. She is and good. I didn't recognise her in this because she's playing a completely different role. Yeah, I I'm didn't like, realise until you said that. I was like, oh yeah, I guess it is her. Yeah. yeah. She's mm-hmm. like, I want to see more of this. She's a great performer. She so. is. I was really enjoying that as well. Yeah, Connor is, um, he's a, a very unique in his own way, completely different mm-hmm. dick, monster, rich person. You can see why like, none of them want to spend time with him. Yes. Because why would, oh, it gives me the creeps. Yeah. When they're leaving his place in like episode seven or eight or whatever it is, and he just keeps saying, but you had a good time, right? Yeah. Like, so it was, there were some good times as yeah. well. Just had this monstrous <laughs> night with their father. <laughs> what yeah. about Marsha as a character? Oh, um, fascinating. Mm, isn't she? You, oh, yeah. What I love I, about the show is like, there's some characters that you think you have an idea of and then you get the other side of them. You're like, mm. oh, way more complicated than I was expecting. With Marsha, oh, she's so elusive. Mm. Like even the characters can't grasp her, particularly Shiv has a problem with not being able to grasp her properly. Um, and I, as an audience member, have that as well. I'm like, what are you doing? You how know, much you know? There's an angle here, yes. but you're not quite sure what yeah. it is. How many like how many of the strings are you actually pulling, yeah. or do you just happen to be in the room? Like, mm. what actually are you doing? What is your what is the part that you're playing here? And I'm really interested in finding out more. Mm. But yeah, I find her intriguing. 
the scene, and again, in the I think it's the second last or last episode, where she tells Shiv that she's a spoiled slut and then tells her <laughs> to fuck off. I was like, yeah. whoa. whoa. With random bits of French splashed in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of it too. It yeah. was like, I can't keep up. I'm I sorry. Like, I need Google Translate for this. I've got no idea what's going on. Um, yeah. She's had enough of Shiv. Yeah. Shiv's been like pushing back real hard. It's because she recognises that Shiv is the dangerous one. Like, yeah. She's the one she's hard, she's hard to play. Mm-hmm. She's so good at playing it herself. Yeah. Um, and that's why I find like she's obviously that intelligent too. Can't she wait knows- for that battle to really... Yeah. Get going. Is there, is there any thought like with that though? Like I, I'm conscious of that. I'm talking about these characters, and I say Shiv is the real like. Mm. She's the master manipulator. I worry that that's she's the smartest one, without doubt. She is the smartest one. I mean that as a compliment because I don't want to come across as like, oh, she's such a manipulative woman. <laughs> like that's all I mean. She is dangerous because she is better at this than mm-hmm. any of the other characters yeah. basically are, and I mean that she's like. The heir apparent, you know what I mean? She like, really is. She's yeah. the most like Logan. She, If anyone yeah. really deserved to take over the throne, mm. she is much better at playing these games than the mm. boys are, basically. And I think you see Logan having frustration with that, you know, I think in that therapy episode where he, like, yells at Shiv that she doesn't want to play the game or whatever. Because I think he knows... That if she did, she'd fucking win very easily. Well, there's that great scene where he tries to threaten. Like, he is upset with her because she's mm. working for this Bernie Sanders type guy yeah. who is enemy number one to his empire, basically. And he's like, I'm not coming to the wedding. And she's visibly visibly upset, but he's not going to beg him either. Mm-hmm. And he ultimately has to... He's like, I won't come unless she begs. She's not going to do it. No. He comes anyway. She's like, oh, I can't do anything about it. But she knows she won that battle. She absolutely. I mean, as soon as they walk in Mm -hmm. and then she's like, oh, you know, we'll have to pull up a chair. Maybe they can make an omelette for you. So good. So good. You weren't actually invited. And then Marsha goes, oh, you know, generally the people who pay have a seat. To which she says, oh, I didn't know you contributed. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, she's so good. Like she's, Kendall could never do that. Roman could never do that. Connor certainly couldn't do that. Yeah, she's. The best. This is just... It's, Will you marry me? It's, yes, please. It's just so fun. Mm. It is an incredibly fun show to talk mm-hmm. about. I cannot wait to watch season two. We'll get to it pretty soon, I think, because uh, I think so. I'm ready to do it. I'm just kind of like circling back quite a bit, but I know you spoke a bit about Roman. Yes. But I think the real turning point for me was seeing his deep concern for Kendall when he falls off the wagon. Sure, yes. Which I thought was a really important moment Mm -hmm. for that character and for us to see that element. You could see, like we see Kendall turn into a 12-year-old boy, Mm -hmm. you could see Roman turn into this really scared younger brother and wanting his brother to be okay and then having to take on a responsibility that he otherwise never would unless he absolutely had to. And he knows in that instance, you know, he's the one to do it. Mm. Do you think... So, yeah, in that in that regard, do you think Roman is, like, the one who has the most, like, I don't know, humanity to him? Is the most connected to his emotions? He just is always trying to push it aside with his humour and, like, mm-hmm. that armour he puts up to the world? Yeah, I think... He, 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 he and Kendall are both sensitive people and deal with it in really different ways. Mm. I think Kendall hurts himself and Roman lashes out at other people, whether it's through humor. It's usually through humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
Roman is always like, yes, yeah, swiping at other people and pretending like he doesn't care, which clearly I think, and that moment with him and Kendall really proves that, is that he really deeply does. Yeah, I think I think the most the the first real big hint as to who Roman was, or the best hint as to who he was, just in how broken he was, was during one of the best scenes in the entire show, and the one that like made me realize how much I was loving it, which is the vote of no confidence on mm-hmm. Logan when Kendall can't be there for the vote, and so it all falls apart, and that's just left on Roman's shoulders, and he's gonna raise his hand, and Logan's like, "You better be scratching your face or whatever it is." It just goes back to and just the cowering, the way he sinks into mm-hmm. his chair. Um, I just think this is further evidence that I was right to make him the one I care about the most. Yeah, I think, that's fair. I think. I mean, I really, I love Roman, and yeah. I just want him to be okay and happy for all of the bullshit bravado, all that stuff. You, I don't know. He's really likable, mm. and yeah, I I agree with you. He is the one to really love. He also extremely mean. Like in the first episode, he oh terrible pays yeah. a tells a child he'll pay him a million dollars if he can hit a home run. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that was what a monster of a person he is. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Uh, just some side notes. Before we get to our favorite and least favorite episodes, a couple of lines that I really liked in the first episode when it, everyone keeps asking Kendall, "Do you want to call your dad?" Mm. Just as a great way of surmising that relationship yeah. and that sort of like struggle that Kendall has with Logan um, when Greg is vomiting in his like mascot suit. Yeah. They call him the protein spill. Yeah. I thought it was a very great little dig at Disney and their silly like park terminology. This family, this whole family is a nest of vipers. They'll wrap themselves around you and they'll suffocate you. Greg replies, I'm pretty sure that's boa constrictors. Mm. Uh, I can't reveal my sources, but it's Greg. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. And the other thing I just loved, 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 this, when Roman goes into the bathroom to watch the rocket launch mm. and just there's no sound, which mm-hmm. I loved, and just watching that thing explode, which you knew, I was like, it's going to explode before it takes yeah. off. And it does. And just the reaction from Kieran Culkin. It's perfect. And then when he goes over to like literally wash his hands (laughs) of the situation (laughs) and he like kind of half glances up but can't even look at himself and he just continues to wash his hands. I was like, that's... I think you're out of the room at this point. But as later on, he's talking to um, Jerry, who's Mm. a great character of her own, I must say. I love Jerry. Love Jerry. She's playing her own game as well. Mm -hmm. But they're talking about like no one died. Someone lost a couple of thumbs and maybe someone lost an arm. And then mm-hmm. he's like talking, I think it's to Thomas and someone's like, and they're asking like how it went. It's like, who, uh, you know, who didn't cause anyone's death? This guy <laughs> with the two thumbs. I was like, yeah. that's an incredible setup for a great joke. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, the What do you think of the opening titles? We talk about this a lot, mm-hmm. like... Opening tiles that are just close-ups of things and slow-mo. Let's and like, pan across this close-up of a yeah, robot. Something's out of yeah. very shallow focus sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, how do you feel about the opening titles for Succession? The song is amazing. song is been so stuck in my head all week. <laughs> I think it perfectly sets the tone for what we're going to watch, both in the song and the titles themselves. Mm-hmm. I like seeing you know the little family history. They haven't just appeared as adults before us. We can see kind of is all. It's always been sinister and mm-hmm. fucked up, which I think is important. I like them a lot as well. I haven't mm-hmm. skipped them once, and doubt I will. Um, Steph was watching the show with me, um, and she kept trying to figure out what the mm-hmm. song reminded her yeah. of. And and she was like, "It's a classical piece of music." Eventually, we found it. 
she found it to be res- reminiscent of Dance of Nights uh, or Dance of the Nights from Romeo and Juliet, the, mm. the ballet, which was interesting that that was the song because that was the theme song of The Apprentice, as in Trump's- Oh, was it? The Apprentice. And it was almost <laughs> like, so is that just coincidental- Mm. Or is that actually intentional? Whatever the reason, That's it's a great song. I love that. That's a good side note. Mm. Weird thought, and not an important one. Yeah. Are Shiv and Roman twins? It's not that important. It doesn't no. really matter. But you do talk about how you think they've got a great dynamic yeah. and like chemistry, those two characters, which twins do tend to have a deeper connection than other siblings. Because mm. I remember early on... Mm-hmm. Steph said that. Oh, there's a line that Roman says there's, about we, them. I'm glad I wasn't a. I'm thankful that I'm not a Siamese twin. twin. And then we had a discussion about whether they were twins. And I was like, well, I've. Immediately afterwards, Shiv says, I am also glad I wasn't a Siamese twin. Yes. Right? So the implication there is like, why Why is that the thing? Yeah. He's talking about so being connected to someone be. specifically. And when both of them say it, it's like, I agree. I'm glad we're not connected at the yeah. hip. Suggests so to probably. me that they're twins. Yeah. Does it really matter? Probably not. No. But I just thought that was interesting, like very tiny detail that's not confirmed anywhere. One day they'll have a birthday and we'll figure out whether this is true or not. A special birthday episode, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Another interesting question for you. Mm. Is Shiv physically abusive to Tom? Look, it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Because there's another episode mm-hmm. that starts with Tom like covering up a black eye mm-hmm. and people keep asking about it eventually he just says oh things got a little bit physical in the bedroom with Shiv and like did she punch you whatever and he kind of like tries to mm. go over it but Shiv is obviously I would say thinking about Shiv she would do it in a way framing it as though it is part of sex but absolutely taking her frustrations out. That's why I was thinking as well. So the answer would be yes. She's gaslit him into saying this was like some part of their life. Sexy when I punch you in the face. But don't worry, I'll fuck you later. So Because it was just such an odd thing to have in the show and to not really address Mm. and just leave in the background and explain the way they did it. It's like you're communicating something to me. What are you communicating? Mm Mm-hmm. And the only thing I come away from this is that I think it's a fair Shiv assumption is physically to abusive to Tom. Yeah. Which is pretty fucked up. Because you do know, like, in the dynamic of their relationship that Shiv can do whatever she wants. Yeah. And he will just go along with it. And he'll be told what the reality is. And, yeah, he'll be like, okay, that's reality. Got it. What was your favourite and least favourite episode, Damask? We're starting with favourite? Sure. Oh, no, least favourite. Always least favourite. <sighs> I really struggled with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are I, no bad episodes. Yeah, Let's just say that that's straight up. Absolutely true. Perhaps I was thinking maybe the first one, but it's such a good introduction. It's excellent. It's so good, it's but only pilot. the first one because, like, we're just at the start. You know what I mean? Um, that's my go-to uh, get our jail free cards. Yeah. Um, the next one I was thinking of because I really don't have there are no bad episodes. Have one at all? Like I love. Episode two, where they're all kind of strategizing in the hospital, is amazing. Um, Kendall kind of scrambling when he finds it in the third episode about the debt. Mm -hmm. It's also really good. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you mine. Maybe this yeah, will help please. things a little bit. Yeah, I really struggled with this. I, as I was watching it, my decision was that episode four, Sad Sack Wasp, Wasp Trap, was mm-hmm. my least favorite episode. I found it slightly lower energy than the episodes that came before it. It's the episode where they're going to have that big, big fundraiser mm-hmm. that Connor is running. Um, it's kind of like a big set up to Kendall's going to do the speech. No, Logan's going to do it. Logan ultimately does it and says he's back. He does his misunderstanding about that. Kendall was going to announce that Logan was retiring. That wasn't true. That was the joke he'd been setting up. It just didn't feel quite as authentic in its drama as some of the other episodes did. It was by no means a bad episode. It mm. just wasn't quite as like compelling to me as the previous yeah. ones were or any episode that came yeah. after it. Yeah. I suppose it's only in like it's setting us up for the next It was step. a tension-raising, peace-moving yes. episode, which is what I saw about. Again. I think that's a good one, so I'm just going to piggyback on that. <laughs> cool. What's your favourite? My favourite is episode six, Which Side Are You On? Mm-hmm. Because like, they're, they're, I think the last two episodes could easily be in there as, my, as the best episode, but that build-up, the build-up to the... Uh, version of confidence is so good, good enough. The execution of that moment of what I didn't expect was like Kendall saying, I can get over there, I can get to Long Island, get this vote, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then getting stuck because of a terrorist threat, just did not see that coming. But I felt that was a really great, like him like in the tunnel, running out of the tunnel, trying to get to the meeting beforehand, watching the pieces fall, Logan not leaving the meeting he should not have been at, Frank trying to stall and delay, all of that. It was su- it was expertly crafted and then watching it all happen was like mm-hmm. watching a slow moving car mm-hmm. accident. It was delicious. Yeah. It was the moment I realized what this show was capable of. Mm-hmm. And it's when I fell in love with the show. So I'm gonna give it to which side are you on? Episode That's six. really fair. Um <laughs> and absolutely at the top when I'm thinking about the episodes that maybe go fuck yes to this show. Yeah. Um, I'm just simply going to go with the finale mm-hmm. um, because when I think about this show, I, I'm, I'm really reflecting on the finale and yeah. like how it made me feel. Sure. And um, there's obviously the moments with Kendall at the end, so wonderfully performed, such a a switcheroo almost that I really didn't see mm. coming. Emotionally devastating. Makes you so excited for season two. Um, and really complicated in terms of, as a viewer, your relationship with the characters totally. involved. I also enjoyed the moments between Tom and Shiv. Yes, yes. Which is a relationship that I'm fascinated by. The devastation that you feel for Tom, Mm -hmm. realizing that this person that he, you know, Shiv's talking about all this stuff about love and like it's shit and it's blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, that's all true. But like, I love you. you." Um, And she's like, oh, I love you too. Who knows if that is real. Um, But the devastation you see on his face when she (laughs) reveals that perhaps she is not monogamous on their wedding night, Mm. which is so fucked up. Um, and then obviously we have that great moment where he comes out to the wedding party and tells Nate to fuck off and give back his parents' wine, which I um, I think one of the most affecting moments in the show for me, though, is Kendall dancing with his family. Yeah. And then we get that shot of 
him realizing the gravity of how much his life has changed. From a craft perspective, I think it needs to be addressed as well. When you get that scene, from the moment Kendall is in the car and they're driving to go and hook up with this guy's um, connection or whatever, mm. up until he gets, I think, wakes up the next day. Basically, from that moment on, it's the Kendall show, mm-hmm. which is really smart because it is an ensemble cast and it would be very easy or very tempting to cut back to a bit of Roman or something like that to intersperse it, but they know that this is so consequential and the tension is so great, Mm -hmm. stick with it. Just watch this all... He's not talking to anybody. There's no phone calls made. He's not saying anything to himself. You can just watch him sort of make his way back to the hotel and try and figure his way out through this this trap he's in, this potential terrible situation he's in. It's it's just expertly done. It's so good. But yeah, as soon as this the finale aired... Because obviously season one and two are out at that point. Yeah. And they finished season one. And I was like, so I was watching it with Angela. And I was like, well, we need to have a break of mm-hmm. at least a few weeks. Because I really need to fucking marinate in this. Because that was so much. And I have so many feelings about it. Mm. Like it made me so excited to watch the next season. But also to just like really enjoy the story that I was just told. Because sure. it was so satisfying. Mm. Do you know what it reminds me of actually? What? Search Party. It does. It's got mm. that. It the, the way this ends is like, oh fuck. Okay, this mm. is just escalated in a way that it ha- it, well, I didn't expect it to. Mm-hmm. In a way, I wasn't saying. Um, do you have any predictions, hopes, concerns? You obviously can't, can't have any because you've already seen season two. <laughs> Surprisingly, I, I predict I will enjoy season two, and I will. <laughs> yeah. I um I don't have a lot of predictions actually. I feel like what this show did was what a lot of first seasons do, which Mm -hmm. is there's no guarantee you're getting a second season. So you end in a way that feels relatively wrapped up, but also leaves a couple of little like open-ended here or there. Mm -hmm. You can see where like the Kendall story is likely to go. I'm less certain of where the Shiv story is going, except that it's going to be, I hope it's focusing on the marriage between Tom and Shiv to some degree. I don't know where she goes from there. Roman... No idea where they're going to take Roman next <laughs> mm. season. Like, Connor wants to be president. I don't know if they're going to follow up on that. Maybe they will. <laughs> um, like, it's 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 not as clear cut that this is the next step. Yeah. At first, I thought it was going to be, okay, they're going to have this hostile takeover and then Kendall's going to be in charge of the company and Logan's going to be trying to get it back and what's that look like. That's not what's happening next season. Mm. So, I'm left very much going, don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. I think that's about it. That is, yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. I implore you, if you have thoughts about this show, um, particularly season one, please no spoilers for season two at this point. Send them our way. I would love to hear what people think of this. If there's things you wish we talked about that we can maybe discuss when we do get to discussing season two, um, email us or tweet at us. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hile of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at B Gordes, B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymo, M A S K Y M O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss Succession Season 2. We are wasting no time. That's right, we just want to get right into it. <laughs> so, in the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good day, everybody. Absolutely.